Hi, and welcome to the MPC Mississippi Podcast. I'm Dr. Zanzi McLaurin, the chairperson for Mississippi. I'm Tony McLaurin, vice chairperson for Mississippi. With this podcast, we will have some informative, interactive, and fun conversations. Our podcast goals are to have some power-packed episodes to keep you updated on all things NPC Mississippi, NPC USA, and NPC Worldwide. We will highlight our athletes, local shows, promoters, guests, and sponsors. So let's dive in. Tonight, we have such an amazing guest with us none other than Miss Sandy Williamson. We are so excited to have her tonight as our guest. And let me tell you, we're going to have such an engaging conversation with her tonight. We've got some wonderful questions that I know that Sandy is going to answer and let you know all about who she is. But to just give you a little snippet of some of the things that Sandy has done within the world of bodybuilding. And we're gonna talk about some things outside of the world of bodybuilding as well. But Sandy, if you didn't know this, she is a former competitor. And I don't think she minds me saying she competed in the 80s, which is probably the time before most of our athletes now were born. And she's going to talk about that a little bit. But she's also the MPC IFBB secretary. She is a head judge. She is the Olympia head judge. This lady does some amazing things. And guess what? She's also the chairperson for Texas and recently is a promoter and a co-promoter for the none other than the most outstanding MPC Junior Nationals, Sandy Williamson. Welcome to the MPC Mississippi Podcast. We are so excited to have you tonight. It is such a pleasure, and thank you for taking time out of your schedule to be with us tonight. You know, I, I have to agree, Sandy. It is such a pleasure to talk to you and have you join us, and we look forward to uh, learning a little bit more about you tonight, engaging in some conversation, because whenever we talk to you, we're always enlightened by you. You always give us something, yes. something just we can take back to the table and we learn from, and we're very happy to have you here tonight. Such an outstanding woman, such a pioneer of the sport. So Agreed. Sandy, we just want to start off with you telling us a little bit of your journey, your history, who you are, what you do, and you are such a great ambassador and champion of the sport of bodybuilding. And so we just want the audience to know a little more about you. So you just jump in and share whatever you like. Well, first of all, thank you both, obviously, for having me. Um, oh, my goodness. My journey started in 1980, actually. Um, and, you know, I, I have told the story, you know, a couple of times now over the last the last year or two, especially with, you know, with us, the country being shut down last year and stuff, we did a lot more. Like you said, we kept everybody engaged through either Zoom or the, you know, the live IGs and stuff. So, you know, I, I didn't realize that people didn't realize that I, you know, I actually started as a competitor. Uh, but yes, because my uh, ex-husband actually came home from work at one day and said to me about going to Philadelphia because I, my whole family's from outside Philly, about an hour. And so he wanted me to go to a bodybuilding show and I will be honest with you. I was like, mm, I don't think I want to go to a bodybuilding show. I have no idea. What that is. So lo and behold, it was a whole weekend though. It was, you know, it was almost, it was an expo. So there was seminars there, you know, by a lot of the greats, Franco Colombo, Boyer Co, a lot of the, you know, 
the the uh, male athletes that were you know were top in the sport at the time, um, but not knowing, not realizing at the time though, it was actually um, had a, a it was done around the Miss Olympia, which was the first year for the Miss Olympia, 1981, and it was promoted by George Snyder. Um, so I had no idea that, like I said, that we were going to, you know, the first time that the uh, Olympia had ever had women in it. So, um, and it was a, set up as a dinner theater, nothing like, you know, we see now and stuff. I saw these women, you know, on stage, and then they would afterwards, they went and walked around and talked to everybody. And Rachel McClish walked by and she was like in a size two jean. I was like, that's what I need to do. That's what I need to do. Cause I come from, I was anorexic for a long time. So, um, I had, you know, I just did a lot of cardio, um, you know, obviously ate poorly and stuff, but I just thought, you know, again, I had that con conception that if you put muscle on, you're going to get big, you're going to get bulky, you know, everything that I thought I didn't want for right. myself. Uh, but yeah, I was very fortunate that, you know, looking back on it, that I actually got to be part of the first, you know, Miss Olympia ever. A lot of times too, I don't think our athletes realize, um, this has nothing to do with myself, but the Miss Olympia was actually held for five or six years at, um, in New York, all by, you know, it was a separate show by itself. Yes. And they would, they would sell out Madison Square Garden for five or six years in New York. So, yeah, eight, the 1980s was a, a, was a really strong you know, for women's, for women's bodybuilding when it first started. But yeah, so I, you know, I went back to, you know, my hometown and showing the why um, and what, again, a lot of women will like kind of know, raise their eyes and roll their eyes. But I was women at the time we could join the why, but we couldn't, women weren't allowed in the weight room. Oh, really? Nope. Mm -mm. Nope. The weight I room wasn't. Know that, Sandy. Uh -huh. Yep. And so uh, another, another female uh, and I, you know, kept petitioning, petitioning, it took us about three months. And then they finally let us start using the, the weight room. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Wow. That is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I so, did not know that. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at least in Reading at that time, there was no co-ed gyms at all. Um, Cause I was, I myself was going to a place called women's world uh, spa. It was just, you know, women and then you know there were male gyms and stuff but there was no co-ed at the you know at the time in 1980. Mm -hmm. So how many shows did you do Sandy? I did 14. That's awesome. Yeah I competed from 19 uh well I started training in 1980 so I competed from 81 to 84 um and actually my very first show looking back on it now was actually on the stage at Soldiers and Sailors. Soldiers and Sailors. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah, um, I said this before because I know Jim's never gonna, he will never show my photo. Um, but, well, because I have a photo with me on the stage, you know, at Soldiers and Sailors. And if, if you've ever been there, it's not changed. It has a lot of history, you know, um, in the thing, but the, you know, there's like, it's never been renovated. It's, you know, it is what it, it looks like exactly now as it did in 1980. Um, so yeah, um, so yeah, there's, a, you know, that's my first show that I ever did. So again, you know, looking back, it makes it just a lot, you know, makes it more, um, you know, makes mean something more. Like I said, I was part of the first Miss Olympia just as a, you know, as a spectator and then to compete, you know, in Pittsburgh on the soldiers and sailors, you know, where the Pittsburgh championships are done every year, you know, it's, it, you know, so memorable. Yeah. Was it coincidence meant to be who, you know, who knows? Well, you have such an amazing story. I know that you've mentioned to me in some of our conversations, but just uh, coming into the sport with such a condition as anorexia 
it's a story to tell. And I, I know that a lot of people don't know that about you, but having that condition, was it, it something that really drove you as being a part of the sport of bodybuilding to help heal that situation that you were in with anorexia? Oh, if I look back on it now, bodybuilding, yes, absolutely saved my life from the nutrition standpoint. Um, you know, because I had just graduated from nursing school and Tony, I'm sure you can attest to this. Nutrition is not a big part of our medical. It is not. No. It is not. And so, um, you know, I mean, I ate so little protein because, you know, at least back then it was always, you know, if you looked at women that that we looked up to, it was always um, the models, you know, the 5'11", six foot, you know, weighing 110 pounds. You just ate a, and at night. And like I said, protein was too many calories. So you, it was salads, you know what I mean? And for everything that is totally not what women, you know, should be doing, especially to get healthy, you know, to be healthy. And so when I first got into the sport, it was really hard for me to think that I'm going to eat all these calories, you know, in protein, whether it was chicken or egg, white, you know, whatever it was. Exactly. And you're absolutely right. When I was modeling, I was only eating brown rice and lettuce. And you know, I'm 5'11", so that's a little bit shorter than six feet. And I tell you, I look back at some of my pictures and I'm like, oh, I wasn't a good look and it wasn't healthy at all. Yeah, I no, but I, but, you know, especially with anorexia, because unfortunately, if anybody's ever been plagued with it, it's, you know, it's a psychological disease, you Absolutely. know, or whatever, you know, whatever, you know, the issue is psychologically, you know, because I mean, for like two years, I ate nothing but ketchup carrot sticks and diet coke yeah and you'll be able to test to this tony because you know what kwashikora is yes yes, yes. and i had that at oh the yeah i was i'm five i well now i'm a little bit shorter but i'm five foot i was five foot seven when i was in my 20s and i graduated at 72 pounds oh jeez. you do yeah. have a story to tell and I, awesome. and I think to just people hearing you say that that we have so many interesting and diverse athletes that come into this sport with, you know, conditions like anorexia, bulimia, uh, depression. And this sport really is a pathway for them to heal and to be somewhat, you know, guided in a structured format to do better, live better, and be better. So oh, absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I just think I because I think lots of times too. first of all, having a structure uh, is what a lot of athletes, you know, with, you know, with different, um, you know, issues from from health, but also, like I said, from, you know, from the mental aspect, um, having that structure and having that focus, it allows them to totally take their focus to a different, obviously more positive and healthy direction. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I agree with you because a lot of people look at the sport of bodybuilding who are not so ingrained in it. They don't know the ins and outs and why people are doing what they're doing. And, you know, bodybuilding is a special sport that you and I and Tony and the other athletes know. You can eat bad when you play basketball or football. Mm -hmm. You can't do that in bodybuilding. So you have to have that structure That's mentally, right. emotionally, physically, and you've got to have, and I tell people all the time, your body is made in the kitchen. Yep. So 80% of that is in the kitchen. Yep. So this sport really has, you know, been such a pivotal part in all the athletes' lives that really want to, yep. you know, really showcase themselves, but also have that structure, as you said, in their life that they need at those particular seasons in their life. 
I definitely agree because what you put in, that's what you get out. <laughs> that's what you get out. Well, and this isn't just, I mean, even though I know most athletes, when they're getting ready for a show, if they're looking at either 16 weeks to 12 weeks, whatever their prep time is. But you and I both know that's not what the sport is about. It's a 365. If that's you're going right. to really make it to the top and stay there longevity, you know, longevity wise, you know, it's a 365 sport. It is, you know, mm-hmm. yep. Absolutely. And Sandy, I'm glad that you mentioned that because Tony has a question for you. Well, you know, Sandy, a lot of athletes see you from around the world judging shows with such fluidity. I mean, you're very fluid at it. How do you make it look so easy? That's number one. You you make it look so easy. That's that's number one. And can you give the athletes, bringing the total package to the stage, can you give them a little advice about bringing the total package to the stage? Sure. I mean, absolutely. I mean, as far as the judging, I mean, what do I, I, I'm not even sure how I want to say this. Part of it is my time. You know what I mean? I, I mean, I, you have to remember, I was very fortunate. I judged, you know, next to Jim for, you know, probably 25 or 22 years out of, you know, cause it's only been recently, you know, last maybe, you know, seven, eight, nine years that he has not been the head judge at, you know, at, at the Olympia or at our national shows and stuff. So, uh, you know, I was again, not realizing at the time, but now looking back, being able to judge with him. And then, you know, later on, obviously Steve came on board and stuff. So to, you know, to be judging with, you know, um, other judges of that caliber. And also to, right from the beginning, I started to do both the women's world championships and the, you know, the men's. So I was able to judge with a lot of great judges from different countries, you know what I mean? You know, so again, it's, it's kind of all that, that kind of shaped me. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just like athletes, I always tell athletes with posing, like, you know, the more you get up on that stage, mm-hmm. the more comfortable, you know, this is not, like it's not, it's not something easy to do. So the more you get up there, you do it, you're going to feel comfortable. Well, it's the same thing with judging. I tell, you know, my, our new judges all the time, the more that you go to shows and even if you're not actually at the judging table, but you know, we all sit in the audience and, you know, uh, do our own, you know, our own judging. But the more that you do that, you kind of start to, to realize what our organization is. Cause that's one thing that I, I like to make a point about that judging is not an opinion sport. Okay. It's not an opinion. We have criteria Yes. And as a judge. It has no bearing on what you would like to see. Your judging has to be by, you know, within the parameters of what the organization is looking for. Yes. Yes. You know? But yeah, so the more you do it with the judging, um, I, the, just the more comfortable you get with what that look is, you know, for the different divisions. You also have to remember, too, when I first came into judging, there was only one division. It was just bodybuilding. That's right, right, That's right. 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 Yeah. And it was it was a lot easier at that time because you were looking for, you know, who the biggest bodybuilder, the most conditioned and the most symmetrical all blended into one package. But you didn't have parameters like you do now. And, you know, I, you know, I do a lot of judging seminars and that's, what's really hard sometimes to get judges and the audience and, and, and trainers and stuff to understand you can have the best physique on stage from pure physique standpoint and not do well in that competition, because you might be outside the parameters of whatever division you're competing in. Mm. So, yeah. And I, and it's hard for judges too to understand that, you know, the new judges coming in and stuff. 
where, you know, I was fortunate when I first started, you know, we didn't have that. It was just bodybuilding. So, you know, we didn't have all the different parameters. It was easier, you know, it was easier to start to learn, you know, what the sport was looking for. I love that, Sandy. And Tony and I truly can attest to it and really raise our hands up and say, hey, we want to be a national judge. So, you know, I reached out to you and we said, we're ready. And Sandy, you said, not quite, <laughs> not quite, not quite. Come back to another show. So the athletes really don't realize judging is so meticulous and you have to have an eye for it. And again, not only having that eye for it, but as you said, you've got to know the criteria for each respective division, division mm -hmm. and really time it in. And, you know, I hear this all the time. Well, my pictures, and I want you to really, I know, I know, I knew, I, I, I wrote this question down. I said, I've got to ask Sandy this. My pictures, I look better in my pictures. And when I tell the athletes all the time, a picture is steel. Mm -hmm. It's a steel frame. If you are not there, sitting there looking at the athlete four or five feet away from you, please do not really just criticize the judges because we saw the things that you didn't see in that still picture. So Sandy, really elaborate on that for us a little oh, bit. That's a big thing. And one of the things that I, t I say at every seminar I do, I always say to athletes, do not get photo ready for a show. Because first of all, photos make you look a little bit bigger and a little bit you know, more conditioned than you actually are on stage. So from a conditioning standpoint, most people are going to look better in their photos. And unfortunately, then the, the athletes that sometimes tend to win are, you know, if they were just right where you'd like to see them on stage, they're going to look like they were tighter or more conditioned in the photos. So athletes go back, they look at that and they go, okay, so when I look in the mirror, that's how conditioned I have to be. And I say, no, because that athlete wasn't that conditioned. That's right. You know? Yeah. And, you know, when I talk to a lot of photographers and they everybody uses filters these days, they want your photos to look good because they want you to buy them. Exactly. I mean, it's just common, common sense. So I, I tell athletes all the time that, you know, you want I mean, you want to look at the galleries and kind of see when you're going to show like what the quality at that type of show is so you have an idea but don't fine tune it so to try to make your physique exactly like because first of all especially in I think bikini more than anything and obviously right now that's our still our biggest division is we're not looking for that like in bodybuilding or in women's physique or whatever the other ones you know we're looking for more of a, a certain you gotta have a certain structure you know what I mean um, but with bikini we're not looking for a certain structure we're looking for what looks good on your body that's why if you look at that Olympia first call out and you have the Janet Laylugs and the Jen Dorries, you know, and Edela and, uh, you know, um, Issa and stuff and, and Angelica, they all have different structures and different bodies, but they, they're all still in that first call out. And I think sometimes that's where trainers and, and sometimes, the, you know, bikini athletes do go wrong because they think like we're looking for like Issa's structure or we're looking for Angelica's structure or we're looking for, you know, for Jen Dory's structure. And it's like, no, no, no. It's just that they, their physique looks good on their own structure. And that's when I tell, you know, our bikini athletes, especially, you know, I mean, yes, you want to have an idea of what the, you know, physiques look like at that next level that you're going to, but don't try to make your body into something that it's not, 
and it's right. you know that what looks best for you right exactly because everybody's frame is different your genetic makeup is different and you're absolutely right you cannot prepare your body for a picture that is not your body and yeah. so you have to prepare yourself along mm -hmm. your journey with your physique and just really try to be the best that you can be so i have a question that kind of piggybacks off of that so what advice would you give the athletes as they are beginning or continuing their journey with the MPC or the IFBB? I think, well, first, first of all, like I said, I think athletes, and I think sometimes they don't do this. First of all, go to a show. Yes. Go to the show, you know, um, not, well, first of all, just like to support the sport itself, but also to give yourself an idea that you're going to see like the format of the show and like, you know, that there's a morning session, there's an, e you know, an afternoon session. Um, of course, some of that now changed with COVID, but just to get an idea of watching the athletes walk out on stage and what they do. And you know what I mean? Just so that when you get there yourself, especially for your first time, at least you have an idea in your mind, like what to expect. Exactly. And, and, and the, the, you know, obviously, you know, trying to get your physique to its best, but, but with the present, the posing, and you have to practice that posing so much that you can just, cause I've had athletes say to me afterwards, they're like, oh my God, you know, I, I don't even know, did I look okay with my posing? Cause they got so nervous and I'll say to them, it didn't come across at all, which tells me your subconscious, you must've been practicing so well that when you got on stage, your subconscious took over, your body knew what it was supposed to do, even though you yourself was really, you know, was really nervous. Um, and that also leads, because, you know, both of you know that we have so many crossovers now at our shows. Yes. And, yes. And one of the things that, you know, I we get asked all the time is like, well, you know, uh, competitor A and B were together in one class and then maybe they, you know, they did the open or the novice and then they moved to, you know, another class, maybe they did the masters together. And if it's one point difference in one class, it's very easy for it to switch in another class. Because again, not that your body, your physique switched, you know, change obviously that much, but again, lots of times that first time you're on stage for the day, all the nerves, just the, well, and also to feel, getting the feel of the stage because all the stage, you know, platforms can be a little bit different, the lighting and stuff. And then when you come back that second time, oh, now you feel so much more comfortable and where you might've not presented your body as well in that first time, now you do it much better in the second. And when it's close between a couple of those athletes, which obviously all our shows, our quality, you know, we're, we're so blessed to have as much quality in our organization, but it's easy for it then to go the other way because you've now presented your physique and the judges see it in a little bit better light than they maybe did, you know? So I, that's, you know, that's been a big thing lately because like I said, we have so many athletes that do crossovers and, the quality of the shows are, is getting so hard. Um, you know, that, that quality is just, they keep the athletes every year, keep raising the bar. Uh, yeah. you know, you know, we've said this all through the year, but going to the Olympia last year, not knowing what to expect, first of all, with our international athletes. And then, you know, especially for the guys, because most of most gyms worldwide were closed for many months. That Olympia was probably the best overall quality that I've ever seen and how the athletes did that through a pandemic and got themselves to the U S. Amazing. I, oh my God. The stories that I heard from athletes, you know, 
competing here in you know in the states in August, staying right. here right through till December because they didn't know if something would happen and wow. more travel would get totally shut down. Athletes that came through, a lot of them came through Mexico, spent two and three weeks quarantining in Mexico. That happened a lot with a lot of our athletes from European athletes spent uh, oh, the two weeks in Mexico till they could come, you know, for the quarantine, you know, portion and then come over to the States. So yeah, it really, it just amazed me what our athletes, you know, went through to get here. But like I said, also just the quality that they brought to the stage was, it was truly amazing last year. I mean, never would I have thought with all the gyms, you know, and, and all this, and just this everyday stress that yeah. we were all under, you know, the uncertainty of where the world was going, right. you know, where our jobs were going and stuff, you know, so to deal with all that and then to bring the quality, you know, to bring that quality to the stage was, was really, it just amazed me. Yes, I, I agree with you. And, you know, that leads me to ask you this. You mentioned earlier, you know, getting into bodybuilding, knowing that, you know, I was an athlete, but you transitioned to judging and having such a wonderful, wonderful mentor of Mr. Jim Mannion, because we cannot leave this interview without mentioning his name. He has been such a great mentor to you and helping lead you down the pathway of where you are today. And allowing the athletes to, you know, be abreast of people like Sandy Williamson and the Steve Weinbergers. He has just been such a pioneer of this sport. What can you, what do you contribute to Mr. Mannion as oh, a, the MPC? His, in all honesty, his love of the athlete. Yeah. He has, he has always, I mean, you know, without getting into a lot of stuff, but there were incidences where, you know, other, um, you know, entities started, you know, different, um, you know, well, uh, WWE with the, you know, and he, are, you know, uh, they wooed a lot of our top, you know, male athletes away. And Jim was, Jim gave them his blessing. He's like, that is a much bigger platform. And then, you know, when it didn't work out, the, you know, the way he welcomed them all back in. Absolutely. You know, and I think he's always, and I, that's the part sometimes that I don't think people realize, but he's done so, I mean, he was the first one to start to get promoters to, you know, use um, guest posers, you know, back in the eighties and stuff. And to actually say, you know, you know, about trying to compensate them for their time a little bit and stuff. And he would get promoters, you know, like he'd go out and get us, you know, sponsorships for some of the shows so that they could, you know, that the promoters had the, you know, the extra finances to bring, you know, uh, an IPB pro and, you know, to guest pose to right. get to help. Yeah, ab absolutely. Um, and he hooked up so many companies with, you know, with the pro bodybuilders and, you know, the pro athletes and stuff. So he's, he really has, he's always, always been an athlete at heart. And I think, because that's part of who he is. That's why the sport was able to grow like it did. Absolutely. I agree with you. And too, just, you know, transitioning from, you know, not being so much in the forefront and now allowing Tyler to come in, you know, having that generational uh, leadership to really continue to press us forward is going to be so dynamic. You know, oh, ab absolutely. But again, if it, it, and not just for our sport, but any, if you read anything on leadership, leadership, it, you can tell you have a good leader when yes. they can walk away and your organization continues to grow. Seamless. Continues yes. to be seamless, seamless and flourish. Seamless transition. And so that's absolutely yes. wonderful. You know, Sandy, 
we all have a story to tell and our paths and our journeys are different. You and I happen to have something in common. Yes, uh, a lot of people don't know that we're both nurses and um, that's our passion. We have a innate ability to take care of people and, and you want to see people come back in a manner of wholeness and a manner of wellness. How did you manage both nursing and the world of bodybuilding? <laughs> <laughs> well, well I mean, Tony, I mean, first of all, I mean, when I first started, because, and I've told this story a couple of times because when Jim called me um, and I did not, I mean, I obviously knew who he was, but I did not really know him at all. Um, and uh, he had called me to say that uh, this uh, May Malika at the time was the women's chairperson uh, moved out of the country. And so he asked me if I would want to take over. And my answer was, um, no, I work full time, um, you know, because back then there was no 12 hours with nursing. Oh, yeah. No, it was five eights. Oh, yeah. There were no 12 hours in the 80s. No, no. I remember when I got to the B.A., they wouldn't, they didn't want me to work 12 hours. I had to go above somebody's head so I could work 12 hours. Wow. Yeah. Me to work no, no, absolutely. When I first got into nursing, because I moved out to California in 92 and even in 92, my hospital back in, in, in Reading, um, it was, and it was a level one trauma hospital. Uh, it did not have 12 hour shifts. I had only saw 12 hours when I first moved to California, but yeah. So when Jim first asked me, I just said, you know, obviously I was, you know, I was young. I was, you know, at the time, hoping to have children and stuff. So, you know, I was like, I'll help out for a couple of months, but you've got to find somebody to do this permanently because they can't, you know, it can't be me. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and, and, and you have to remember too, in the 80s, we didn't have that many shows. I mean, if there were five or six shows in a state that, oh yeah, there was not that many shows back then. And so, you know, I, you know, our national shows that we didn't have a junior nationals. We, you know, at that time we didn't have, a, we just had like the nationals, I think the USA, um, some of the shows, especially like the, I, before the NPC, you have to, I think too, I want to tell, because I don't think most people realize the NPC started as an all male organization and yeah. the, yes. And the female or female probably what you want to call counterpart point, totally run by different, you know, people or organized by, a, you know, a different set of uh, a different entity of, of people. It was called the AFWB, the American Federation of Women's Bodybuilding. So because I was obviously competing as, you know, you know, in a female sport, that's the organization that I was, you know, that I had joined at the time. Um, so uh, when we first got to get, when the NPC you know, and the IFBB combined to become one, you know, become the NPC, there also was like, it was, uh, they, uh, the women's America, you know, was, oh. was by its, oh yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, cause that's actually one of the first times that I ever judged outside my, you know, my state, I couldn't believe that somebody wanted to pay my way, you know, and put me up at a hotel to judge in Colorado. Um, oh, yeah, so it, it, things were, you know, th the whole setup was, you know, was a little bit, you know, was a little bit different back then. So yeah, when, so when Jim asked me, like I said, I was, you know, young married, um, had a full time job, you know, I love judge, you know, I liked judging, but I was only judging it three, four times a year. So it was like, yeah, I can I'm help out. Times 100, right, Sandy? Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> you know, so by the time I moved to, you know, I started to do the work, like I said, I was fortunate because I got to do both the men and the women's world championships. So I've seen so much of the world that I would never have had the opportunity, you know, if it wouldn't have been for the sport. Uh, but by the time I moved to California in 92 and, you know, learned about uh, 
you know, 12 hour shifts, it started to make things, you know, a lot easier because yes. Yeah. And, you know, most hospitals to woo nurses will do, you know, self-scheduling, a lot of flexibility. So, you know, I was able, yeah. So I was able to, you know, arrange a lot of my schedule, you know, to fit, you know, to fit bodybuilding. And then with the international, just a couple of years ago, like, you know, things just happened for whether, like I said, whether it's a coincidence or it was meant to be. Um, but when, you know, we went in, you know, when we went internationally, um, that was the same year I retired. And so- in 2017 okay yeah, that that the fall of 17 at the olympia is when we you know uh and again um and i'm sure people have heard this on different you know different interviews before but that the reason that even the npc decided jim decided to do what he did and it was because he realized from listening to athletes and listening to you know promoters overseas that they a lot of people were being taken advantage of and stuff and you know, to do it when you're 70 some years old, it was not what was on his plate. But, you know, the stories that we heard from athletes that it just broke your heart, because that's not how athletes were treated, you know, here in in the US. Um, So but again, because I retired, it, it did allow me to help, you know, to travel a lot more internationally and to to start judging as many shows, you know, as we've been judging lately. Yeah, you do such an amazing job. You know, Tony and I watch you in action. I've learned from you. You know, I take your advice. I take your critical advice. And it has made me a better judge. It has made me a better chairperson. And we just truly uh, want to just thank you for all that you do in your leadership. You have that sage leadership that um, is contagious. Oh, well, thank you. But that when you're getting back to leadership, though, but like I said, that's why, you know, Jim is he's, you know, he's, I mean, obviously, he's super proud, because, you know, because Tyler, you know, uh, is what, you know, handles himself and conducts himself as he is. Um, But like I said, he, he would have, you know, he would have turned it over, you know what I mean? He would have transitioned, you know, to somebody else any, you know, anyway, and he's just fortunate enough, uh, you know, that it's his grandson who again, and again, people know, I say this all the time, the sport is only going to continue to grow. Um, uh, Tyler's an amazing young man. And people don't realize too, not only was he you know, learned to manage the sport some of the time he was, you know, a, a, a young man, but probably, <laughs> absolutely. But he also went through our judging process. Yes. Like, he did. Oh yeah. yeah. Like he, People, people think again, just like sometimes with athletes, you know, people think they saw him like at a national stage or they saw him at the Olympia, but he test judged and started at the bottom where everybody else did too. Yeah. And, you know, so, you know, he, he, it's not like he just, you know, he just, you know, Jim just put him at the table and let him start judging. He, you know, he started test judging like all of us did. And, and Tony and I saw that we saw as we were test judging, you know, to get our national criteria. So was Tyler. He was sitting right there beside yeah. you, sitting right there beside Steve. And I mean, he was so meticulous and taking notes and, you know, listening to you and asking you questions. And he was just really intrigued by it. I want to kind of shift just a little bit because I will, as you were talking, I was writing down some notes. I want you to really speak on this because Tony and I see it not so much in our state, but, you know, with every state, you have different athletes. But I want you to talk about sportsmanship. Oh. How important, I knew you would love this question. How important is it 
to just really have that good sportsmanship. If you win, if you place first, if you place fifth, if you place 15th, sportsmanship is key because you will see those people again. I will see them again. And it's just important, not only just in the sport, but in general, to just have that good sportsmanship. So I want you to talk on that just a little bit. Oh, ab- absolutely. Absolutely. And I, you know, um, and that's what I tell athletes all the time, because the stage is just a small aspect of this sport. Mm-hmm. And um, what what it does, though, like I said, what it brings to you, though, is that focus and that ability to, to learn how to interact with people, because you have no idea who you're backstage because now if you look at the um the uh, the athletes that compete like you said we have such a diverse group of professional um athletes that compete in the sport from attorneys to ceos to physicians yes Yes. so you know you have no idea who you're going to be interacting with backstage and i you know and I, well, I always think that, you know, you, your life will only be better and be more enriched on how you treat other people. So, and, you know, just like I said, just to um, like to take away from another athlete on stage, I just think somewhere in your life, that's going to come back to you. I mean, we talk about karma, but I, I believe in that. I believe in the kind of karma that you put out is the kind that will come back to you. And so I tell athletes all the, the time, um, you know, and we saw it even at the Olympia and stuff. And, you know, it just it, it breaks my heart because it's it, it I to me in listening to, again, comments from, you know, other people, you don't realize that you're you are really uh, hurting your own self, your own image. And, you know, darn well, an athlete's image is that's what either makes or breaks them with their fans. Yep. And yeah. And so um, I I just think, like I said, I just think that, you know, uh, you know, and again, don't get me wrong. Athletes can be upset because they've trained, you know, again, they put in so much, you know, years into, you know, and maybe they didn't end up, you know, placing where they did. That's fine. And you can be upset about it and stuff, but there's a way that to be, to be upset about it and not take it out on stage or with those other athletes and stuff. And, I, I, for me, one of the nicest compliments that, because, you know, obviously, you know, my husband uh, is, you know, is the CEO for um, Spectrum. And yeah. we did, we did a men's physique um, at our San Antonio show a couple of years ago. And it, it was just a, a huge show, not even so much even as the NPC, but the IFBB, because we had bikini and we had men's physique. And men's physique and bikini were both over 40 in their classes. So, oh, yeah, to add, yes, to add you know, 80 IFBB show, you know, competitor, I mean, you know, athletes to an NPC show, you know, the kind of strain time-wise we were under. And so one of the things is I usually go backstage to talk to the pros because a lot of them will group their shows together. You know, they'll do a couple weeks. So I always tried, as soon as the uh, the IFBB was done, I always try to go backstage to give them any kind of feedbacks so that they can take it for the next, you know, week or two. And but I had said to the 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 guys, I said the men are going to go first. So as soon as the women, the bikini get done, I'll come backstage. But I just said, you know, you're going to have to wait a little bit. You know what I mean? And so one of the the men's physique came up to me and tapped me when we were still judging and watching the bikini. And I said to him, I said, you know, I said I I just can't give you. And he goes, no, 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 no. He said, just want you to know made my pro debut today. He said could never have asked for a better group of athletes to compete with. Oh, wow. 
That's amazing. Wow. Yes, and it was because, it, and again, it, it just so happens that again, I got to go back to the coincidence because it was obviously in Texas. And that is the type of atmosphere that the, the pros really have for each other down there. But it was so cool to know that these IFBB pro athletes, you know, were, were as welcoming to the, an athlete from Atlanta or, you know, wherever. And that's what makes the sport. Cause you know, again, both of you know, you've made so many, I've made so many friends that are, you know, through the sport and, you know, and that's the one nice thing, like with social media and stuff, there's a lot of things that I don't like about social media, but, but it allows people to keep in touch, yes. you know, each other. And, you know, and I, I think that's reason that I always say, that's the reason I think the teams have, have grown in this sport because it gives everybody that connection to a group. Yeah. And, you know, psychologically, that is a, you know, that's a big deal, no matter what industry you're in. Absolutely. And, you know, and yes. And so, you know, I think because of that, um, like I said, because of social media allows these athletes, even though they don't even, you know, they don't geographically live near anyone, but they've made friends, they've watched children grow up over the years, you know what I mean? They've seen each other, how you've done, what shows you've done and stuff. And that's, if you're an athlete, that's, to me, that's really what you want. That's the benefit that you want to get from being part of this organization. Absolutely. I agree with you. You know, sportsmanship is one of those character building. Mm -hmm. Yes. That things. And so you just want to say, this is a moment in my life that I will grow from mm -hmm. and continue to prep from no matter my placing. I'm very competitive and Sandy, you judged me. I can't tell you how many times on stage and I've emailed you and you said, Oh, just keep bringing in hand tiger signs. <laughs> Just dial it on in. <laughs> and I was like, yes, ma'am. <laughs> I sure will. But it's about receiving that good critical, mm. you know, advice and taking it and absorbing it like a sponge and not exploding, you know, at a time where everybody can see it. But you, there's a time and a place for it. Yeah. Absolutely. No, once you receive that constructive criticism is what I'm going to call it. From, from the stage, you can use that and transition that into your life. Absolutely. You may go on a job interview and you don't get that job interview, but you better not have no bad sportsmanship when you leave that, that, that area because they will remember that. Because uh, uh, we remember nurses like that all the time. Oh, yeah, I remember her. Mm -hmm. uh, let it go. Yeah. We, we, I mean, you just have to have a level of professionalism Absolutely. no matter what you do. And it has to carry over in other aspects of your life. Absolutely. And I think that's, like I said, that's one of the things I think with the sport, just because of all the different aspects, you know, the focus to, for the training, the focus, you know, for the nutrition. Um, and then, like you said, and just that focus on how you're going to represent yourself as an athlete. To me, that is going to then permeate to the rest of your life that you don't even realize it. You know, I tell, you know, I tell athletes all the time that especially now with social media, people follow you on social media, people that you, you you're never going to meet or, you know what I mean? Or you have no idea who they are, but something that resonates in your story actually is why they're following you. And Absolutely. like I said, you're help, you know, you're helping to shape other people that you don't even realize how much of a mentor you are. Yes, and an impact that you can have on them. Yes. Okay, I've got about two more questions, Sandy. Okay, so hmm, our newest division, wellness. It is blowing <laughs> up, and I absolutely love every division that we have. But this wellness division, 
is got some grumblings going on around town. And so I think for the, the females that are going to be competing in wellness or maybe, you know, in bikini, not knowing really if wellness is or bikini is where they need to be. I want you to share specifically what are we looking differently for wellness versus bikini? Okay. Well, first of all, if you look at our criteria, and this goes for whatever division you're competing in, it doesn't matter. We say to athletes, judges are looking for three things. We're always looking for some type of muscular development. It, you know, it just starts at like the bikini level, ends up at, you know, at, at women's bodybuilding. It's the, you know, the degree of muscularity is going to change, but you still have to have some degree of muscularity. Same thing with conditioning. You're going to have some conditioning even for bikini. And again, all the divisions you're going to have to have a certain level of conditioning, it's going to change as you, you know, go up through the divisions. And then symmetry, yes. balance between upper and lower body. Yes. That's where wellness comes in because you no longer have to have that balance. And most women are not built like a B. Yes. We're built, yes. We're built like this with right. a wider hip structure just for childbearing. I mean, you know, uh, and again, it's a generalization. Obviously, there's some women that have very narrow hips, but for the most part, a lot of our bikini athletes and and our and our figure athletes struggle with trying to make that upper body development match their lower body. You know, and we have a lot of athletes coming into the sport from other athletic endeavors. So, you know, because you get through college and if you're a competitive athlete, the, the day you graduate in your senior, you know, from your, your senior college year, competitiveness is what? done. Yeah. Right. Now what? Exactly. And so when it's been something that you've been doing, you've been a competitive athlete since the time you've been five, six years old, it's, it's a real, can be a real game changer with your mental, you know, your mental stability and stuff. And so this sport, I think, allows athletes, you know, uh, that ability to compete, you know, even after college. So we have a lot of women that come from track and field, soccer, you know, uh, volleyball and stuff. And so if you think about that, what have women built over the years? They built their legs and their, you know, their glutes and stuff. And so I'm always, you know, my biggest thing, I'm always saying to them, just add a little bit more upper body, just a little bit more upper body. Well, now you're going to come to a, a division that is going to allow your body to grow and not have to be balanced. Exactly. And yeah. And I really think down the road, it's going to challenge bikini for now, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's going to be an atomic bomb. Because, yes. you know, one thing, too, that adds to that is your genetic makeup. It yes. does. It plays a huge part into especially the wellness. So I think that wellness is going to just blow up. All right. So now that you are the new co-promoter for Junior Nationals, what can we expect differently? Oh. I know that it's in a different venue, a different state. Mm-hmm. So tell us all about it. Okay. Well, first of all, like I said, one of the nice things is if anybody comes to the Junior USA, I always say that they get a really nice, um, uh, they get to see and feel the nice Southern hospitality. Yes. So that's definitely going to carry over to Chattanooga. We have a lot of the same, you know, Alan and, and Becca, which are part of our, you know, has been part of the Junior USA for the last, you know, five, six years. And Trey and, and Shannon, the, the promoters of the Junior USA, they're all coming down to help, you know, with the Junior Nationals. Right group of people. 
Yes. So definitely that 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 good uh, Southern hospitality, uh, but also to um, fortunate, obviously, Robin Chang, who's been the promoter oh, of the for 15 years, it, you know, is is co-promoting. And hit another partner is Doug Green, who actually did the staging at most of the Olympias that, you know, Robin was part of. And he did our stage for our nationals last year. So if anybody, you know, follows us on, uh, it's NPC Junior, J-R Nats, N-A-T-S, on Instagram, go there. There's a promo for what the stage is going to look like. So there's going to be a few LEDs up there since that's what Doug's, you know, does. Oh, yeah. That's what Doug does. Yes, that's his, he owns a, his, you know, he's a production company. Um, he's actually in Vegas right now uh, doing all the audio and stuff at uh, um, at one of the resorts that's opening up. So one of the things is a Southern hospitality, uh, a great, just, a, you know, a great stage that's going to give the athletes that, you know, uh, the ability to compete on. Um, and, you know, hopefully uh, a combination of, of, oh, and also too with Doug, he um, co-promotes the Flex Lewis. Right. So, you know, yes. And so between Robin's promoting, you know, obviously the Olympia myself, you know, through my husband and stuff and and Doug, we're really going to hopefully bring a lot of aspects that is going to make, you know, that's going to really highlight the athletes. And again, all the national shows do, but we're really going to try to take it to that next level. So the athletes, you know, just have a good platform to compete on. I think it's going to be an outstanding show as it has been in the past with a little different twist of that yes. Southern hospitality and flavor of Tennessee. And it's in Chattanooga. It's going to be wonderful. Um, one of the nice things that I tell athletes is because um, Alan is the one that actually helped us, you know, with the venue and stuff in Chattanooga. And what's nice with the it's convention center, because it is going to give a feel of that next level of competition, um, you know, at the national level, but also too, we have two hotels. There's many hotels around the, the convention center, but the two that we're using the stay bridge is a nice hotel. It's a boutique hotel. So it's a smaller hotel, but it has kitchens. So we're trying to leave that for, you know, that's so, you know, Tony, that's so yeah, important. Yeah, I'm making me hungry. Sit over here now. Absolutely. <laughs> You know, so we've been, I've been telling athletes, you know, that's where they want, you know, to book their rooms because they will have access to a kitchen and stuff. And then the Marriott, which is actually connected to the convention center, you oh. know, will probably be more for our officials and, you know, our spectators and stuff. Because then you get the room service and we'll have, a, there'll be a bodybuilding menu there. But, you know, then you'll have the room service and, you know, a little bit more of the convenience of, you know, of of, of the Marriott chain. Um, but yeah, we're looking, I'm looking forward to it's. Well, and I just think we always want, I always want to do new things in your life. I just think you, you can learn no matter how, you know, old you are. And my focus has always been behind the, this, you know, this, the, behind the judges table and stuff. I mean, I'm still going to, I'm still going to be there judging for the women and stuff. Cause I have a lot of women asking me that. Um, but yeah, it's, that's good to know. Yeah. But it's nice. It's going to be nice for me because I'm going to see what promoters act, you know, the, all the trials and tribulations and, and yes, and obstacles that they, you know, have to overcome to get the athletes on stage. And absolutely. Well, we're so proud of you. And you know, we are here to support you. So if you need us, let us know. We are, you know, here, we can use here. all the support we can get. Absolutely. Absolutely. One last thing before we chime off tonight, as you are entering into the promotion side of things, and you know, you're in the leadership as well. What are your thoughts on muscle wear? I'm so excited about it. 
Oh, abs- absolutely. Uh, you know what? It's funny because I we just I had set up. Well, I started to set up because obviously Texas is a big state, and I actually have we actually have six uh, statisticians down there, right. and we never really had like a comprehensive program, you know, a scoring program for Texas. So when I heard about MuscleWear, I, I was beside myself. I'm like, oh my god, this because I was trying to look for somebody to do that for Texas, you know, like a lot of states have like, uh, you know, muscle contest has Ron Strang, who's been involved with muscle contest for 30 some years, Becca with her own program, you know, and stuff. We didn't really have that. So uh, that's when I was just thrilled that we're all now, no matter where you go, it's, you know, so I had set up a, um, you know, workshop or training, whatever with the, my, you know, my athletes, my uh, statisticians from Texas, but then it became, like Florida joined us and the Northwest joined us. So it ended up to be about 30 of us, I think on the, in the workshop. Right. And every, and every one of them were just, just once they got to see it, they were just so amazed at how easy it looks and how seamless. And also to the, um, uh, just the way Andrew, who's the creator of MuscleWare, just his responsiveness to questions and emails. I've decided the guy, he can't sleep. Yeah, everybody I talk to, he gets back to you through an email. And you have to remember, he's also doing this internationally. It's not just from the US. You know what I mean? So yeah, and I I just think it's again, it's going to take again, our organization, again, to another level, we all have one database, we're all, you know, have the same scoring program, um, which will make it nice when because again, something can happen to all of us. You know what I mean? And absolutely. Yes. And I just think it'll make it a lot easier for different people to, to step into that role to help with whether it's the check-ins or the, you know, the, the statistician part of it. Yeah, we're really, I'm really excited. I am too. I've, I've talked to Andrew. I can't count how many times. And he has just been such a joy. And, and I think too that, as you've noted, this is really going to capitalize us to a different level and it's a system that is comprehensive, mm-hmm. cohesive, and also it will give the national office an opportunity to really have that good raw data. Yes. That we need, you know, yes. across the system of our various states and internationally as well. So, Andrew, we give you a, an applause. And Sandy, you have been so wonderful. Oh, Every time we talk to you, we leave with new information. We leave enlightened. So we truly thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to be on the MPC Mississippi podcast. Do you have any last words for us? Um, yeah, I do. I actually have we just talked about funny stories. And I've now said this a couple of okay. times. Some of your audience may have heard it already. But, you know, when we were all shut down last year, um, you know, and so like everybody else, I was cleaning closets and, you know, doing all that stuff that you don't do and, you know, needs to be done. But I came across one of my photos when I competed, you know, on soldiers and sailors. Okay. So that, and it, like I said, the stage and the setup looks exactly like it did, you know, for 30 some years ago. So I sent the picture to Jim knowing that it wasn't going anywhere, but he texted me back and it was Easter. He texted me back and he said, uh, cause he said, I said to him, this is soldiers and sailors. He texted me back and he goes, it's a small trophy. And I texted him back and I said, I said, well, it's only fifth place. He texted me, he says, Oh, well, the judges got it wrong. (laughs) I said, I know they got it wrong. That's why I retired so I could start judging. (laughs) I love that. 
they did. They got it wrong, Sandy. They got it wrong. But you're right. I had some. My first show, I swear, if they bring those pictures out, I would just probably crawl in the corner and just <laughs> cry myself. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I knew because uh, uh, unless Jim and them want my retirement a lot earlier, uh, I knew that photo I sent to Jim wasn't going anywhere. But I also, and I don't know, Zanzi, if you, I don't know if you knew them when you were competing, but um, uh, there was a women's physique magazine uh, with Steve Winnestrom. He was our, he's our women's historian. And he, he has a couple photos of, because again, they were, they were, they came out of the Northeast. So he not, again, obviously not knowing at the time, but he was at a lot of those little regional shows that I competed at. So yeah, he has a picture of me with a different organization's banner across the top. <laughs> Wow, Sandy, that is awesome. You know, when you first start competing, you don't, you know, it, you don't know anything about the sport or the different organizations. You just, you know, you go, but yeah, so, and he also knows that those photos are never going to see the light of day. Well, Sandy, you have been wonderful. Anything else from you, Tony? Absolutely amazing, Sandy. It has been a pleasure. It has been an honor. And you keep up the amazing work that you do for our athletes. Well, thank you. But also, Tony, too. Seriously, thank you. You do ER and I see you or I see you. I, I'm the I'm the manager. I'm the nurse manager for the ICU. For the okay. just, I mean, just what you went through, obviously, through COVID last year and stuff. Yeah. So, you know, it's really the those first frontline, you know, first responders that really, yes, are the true heroes last year. Absolutely. Yes, we do have to just give them praise and thanks because without them, we could not be where we are today. Oh, so, no. Yes. I thank you because you're still currently working. And Sandy, thanking you for paving the way for our future nurses and all that you do. So you're still a part of that family because um, it's very pivotal for y'all to really just continue to do the best you can and be safe and help us be yeah. safe. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So Sandy, thank you so much for being on the MPC Mississippi podcast. And it is always a pleasure. We cannot leave our MPC Mississippi podcast without mentioning our MPC shows. We have Richie and Amanda Stegall, Iron Muscle Championships, May 29th, Doug Sellers, Battle on the Gulf Coast, June 12th, Gordon and Cindy Weir, Mississippi Championships, July 17th, and Tim and Judy Gallard, Total Body Championships. August 21st. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that you have enjoyed this episode of the MPC Mississippi podcast, where all inclusive champions live. Remember that champions are made from something deep inside that stems from a desire, a dream, and a vision. You have to have that skill and will, but that will must be stronger than that skill. Keep being the champion that you are designed to be. Don't forget to share, like, and subscribe. See you next time on the NPC Mississippi Podcast.